Tandem Nomads, episode 67. That would be where I would start. What fires you up that will keep you focused on something, you know, through the ups and downs? That always, when you wake up, you go, oh, I can't wait to do this. Yeah, yesterday was not such a good day. But you know what, today, I, I now figured out something else to make it better. And, it, and that, I think, really makes a difference. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show for expat partners. Every new episode is launched twice a month on Tuesdays. You will find here great inspiration and tips to build your portable career and thrive with your family in your global nomadic life. Hello, Namad Nation. This is Amel Deregi, and our guest today is Carol Rathray. Carol, are you ready for the ride? I am. Let's go. Oh, fantastic. So, Carol is originally from Japan. She was raised in New York. Um, she studied and launched her career as an investment banker in the U.S. before she and her husband started traveling in Asia for his job. They lived in Tokyo and then in Hong Kong. In Tokyo, she continued to work in the finance industry. Later, when they moved to Hong Kong, Carol decided to take a short break to spend more time with her two young children. However, what she calls as a sabbatical uh, turned out to be quite an interesting journey that led her to the entrepreneurial um, exciting life that she's having today. So Carol is a private investor. She invests in startups in U.S. and China. She is she also, uh, she's also a philanthropist. Among many projects, she co-founded the Rattray Kimura Foundation with her husband, mainly focused on education and conservation. And last but not least, Carol also founded her own startup. Uh, it's called Zoom Dojo. And Zoom Dojo is an online career platform designed to find internships and jobs in various, various cities in the world. So Carol, this was a really short overview of your big and amazing journey. So is there anything I missed? And tell us what's happening in your world today. Well, uh, I, I, it, what's nice is that, that there's a lot going on, <laughs> as always. Uh, uh, primarily right now, my focus is on my startup. So much of my time is spent on that. And that, that is definitely what's new, uh, still new, because it's still an early phase startup. Uh, and aside from that, it's, uh, you know, the benefits of having lived abroad is that all my friends from abroad are here right now in New York City, it seems. <laughs> so when not working, uh, I'm spending time with my friends. Uh, one of my friends has a premiere at Lincoln Center right now. So I've been going to some dress rehearsals, and yesterday was opening night. Um, my other friends are coming in for something else. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a very rich, exciting time right now, I this guess. That's really cool, yeah. So tell me, let's just try briefly to go back in time and the state of mind where you were when you knew that you were going to quit your job and move to Tokyo. So how did you react and what was the process in your mind? Okay, honestly, when I first heard about it, uh, I was absolutely speechless. <laughs> Uh, I was, uh, I had planned to go back to work. Um, I had taken some time off uh, to have my second child. Uh, I was finishing the renovation on our apartment, my first home. And then uh, right before I'm about to have the baby, I'm told, well, you know, I, my husband says, uh, I got this offer that was really meant for me. And it's in Tokyo. And I said nothing because all I knew was, I am going back to work with one of my f most favorite uh, colleagues who had returned to the bank. So I was getting this fresh start myself. And 
really had my mind focused on that and living in this great apartment that I loved, finished the way that I wanted to because I had helped design it. And, uh, and then I'm thinking, wow, uh, I'm going to a place where I will have no job. I know no one really except for my husband and my children. And I am going to be in a city that as a child I never liked. Oh, and I thought, wow, yeah. that's really great. So once uh, I was able to sort of digest all that information, and because it was so so sweeping, uh, I have to say that my reaction was not too enthusiastic. <laughs> once I regained my power of speech, <laughs> um, and then I thought about it. Um, you know, it meant so much for my husband. It was a huge step in his career, um, and you know, it's just one of those things that once you sort of regain your balance, say, okay. Um, you know, we have to do it. Okay. And then I thought about all the things that I thought would make my time in Tokyo uh, better. So how was it then once you arrived to Tokyo? How did you get to... I guess you were planning to find a job there, right? Because you worked... Yeah, you know, yes. uh, I was not yet someone who had ever not worked. I'd been working since I was a child, really, you know, on weekends or, you know, internships galore and et cetera, et cetera. So the idea of not working just seemed improbable to me. Uh, luckily, because I was not out of the business, you know, world for very long, because I was still sort of on a very short interim hi- hiatus, having my second child, I had a lot of contacts and so started talking before leaving, which we were leaving in several months, um, so I kind of did a rapid acceleration of talking to as many people as I could. I could have gone back to work at the bank, uh, but the hours were going to be very long. So I talked to other people I knew and then off ultimately selected a position that I thought gave me a little more uh, flexibility uh, you know, to move, to set up my children, uh, set up my husband, you know, set up home, et cetera, et cetera, while being in a new place. And so... That's actually I, a big was, ch- yeah, yeah, that's actually yeah. a very good point that you're making here. Sorry for interrupting, but oh. you know this whole challenge that expat partners not only have to re, you know, re, um, recreate a life for themselves, find a job, etc., but most of the time they're in charge of settling the family down, and that's very hard to juggle both. It is, you know, because you're trying to set up a space that has some level of familiarity, especially if you have little children, mm. um, but uh, also. Uh, in this case, I knew the job was ex- for my husband was going to be extremely important, very intensive uh, travel schedules and so forth. So you, you want to ensure that you know you have some place that feels calm uh, and is home, uh, and without you know you looking like you know for me to look so stressed out about it uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So um, you know that was the whole intent was to ensure that we were doing something which wasn't completely disruptive. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is there a tip you talked a lot about, you know, asking, talking to people to find the job that fits, you know, your schedule and fits this, these challenges? Uh, is there any other tip that, or anything you did that helped you find the job you, you had in Tokyo? Well, I, I think it was very helpful that, you know, it was still related to what I w- had done, but I had to accept the fact that I couldn't be on the deal side, for example. What I was doing was search, executive search. Mm-hmm. So it's quite different in some ways because I was very used to being very immersed in this deal-oriented world, uh, which was very finan- you know, financial structures and so forth. Um, and, and being an investment banker was pretty much my entire persona, professional persona. But I had to recognize that you know, I really needed to be a little bit more open-minded 
mm-hmm. about and flexible myself in thinking, okay, maybe that's not exactly what I can do at, at this current time. Yeah. And yeah. accept what really fit our, you know, sort of the whole family need and structure. So less work in the daytime, because one of the things about search is you're working with people after work. I needed to be home with the kids. Oh, yeah. But in the evening, you know, well, a lot of things were, were done, you know, discussions were done at night or else it's over breakfast or lunch. Um, so that, those were hours when you know, the kids would be playing or, you know, in, in nursery school. So tell us more now about your experience in, in when you went to Hong Kong and how did that lead you to where you are today? Because I have the feeling that that's the experience that led you to all these serial entrepreneurship that you're, you went into. Sure. Um, we moved to Hong Kong in part because I thought that would be a better environment for me. Uh, I'd spent some time from Tokyo visiting Hong Kong, and I, I liked the energy there. It's, it was a, a place that I had been to before, and I found really interesting to learn more about. So, and, and luckily, we had the flexibility to be in either location. So we moved to Hong Kong, and one of the first trips... Uh, out of Hong Kong, I, I ran into a former colleague of mine um, at the airport who just turned to me and said, Carol, Hong Kong is a great place to leave from. And, and then another former colleague's wife gave me a membership to an organization that was related to the Chinese University Museum. And these two bits of gifts, uh, this advice and this membership gift, really... Um, was sort of very pivotal in my sort of beginning start of my time in Hong Kong. Um, what they gave me was the idea to take advantage of where I was, um, and what it offered was access to China. And, I, and, 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 and it was great access. Um, I started to take courses on, uh, through the organization that was um, con- affiliated with Chinese University's museum uh, on Chinese culture, on art. And there were very intensive study groups with a lot of women who are also expats. So it was great because we, we met more. You know, I was meeting people immediately um, as well as sort of taking the advice to leave from Hong Kong, which was a great place to leave from, to access these various parts of China. You know, it's a quick trip. It's one day, two days, and I can go someplace. Um, after a while, I could even take a train across the border or take the ferry to Macau and then, you know, drive across. So I got to really see and learn a lot about Chinese history, Chinese culture, as well as the contemporary China, what was happening right there and then. Um, and that was... You know, I kind of view that as this deep dive. It was very tangible uh, experience, uh, immersive experience, learning about China. And then in the meantime, starting to learn Chinese as well, to add to that element of trying to understand what was being said around me. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that you took the time to do that, yeah. So you speak Mandarin now? Uh, a little bit. Enough oh, no. to... I think, get me into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so how was that connection now between th- that experience, all what you've learned, your interest that you discovered for Chinese culture and the language? How did that turn you into the entrepreneur you are today? Where, where was the connection? The connection was actually in the Berkshire Mountains, which is probably the most improbable place to kind of connect China and startups and technology together when you're sort of walking around hiking or chopping wood or something. But um, while I was visiting some friends, 
they had a guest who was from China, um, and we were just talking, and he could not believe the amount of information and knowledge I had about China because he'd been in, living as a student in the U.S. in places where he was the only Chinese, for example. This is early 1990s. Um, and I, he, he knew some of the people that I was talking about who were writers and so forth as wow. well. And he says, wow, you know so much about China. And so we just started developing a conversation. Um, over time, he realized, and at that time, he was sort of, we were just talking about, you know, antiques, culture, uh, artifacts, whatever. And then he, over time, he started to tell me what he was doing, which was he had a startup. And I said, oh, that's very interesting. Um, and I said, well, maybe sometime I can come and visit you. And so I was on a trip to Beijing and then going to Harbin for the ice festival. When um, I went to, into his office, he said, come to my office. So I did, and what I recognized was the same feeling that I had when I started working in my, uh, at, at the bank. And the reason that the, co the connection there was that he, too, had a uh, business which reminded me of our business. We were a startup within our bank at that time. Oh, yeah. It was a very uh, unique situation, but the energy, the individuals, and everybody was staying late at the office, which was unusual for China. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought that was something that was uh, worth doing. And, um, and then so over time he recognized that I actually knew something else, which was finance and capital raising. Suddenly discovered the other face of Carol. <laughs> right. And, and he wanted to, he was building his business, but really didn't know how to uh, deal with the, all these different people, bankers and things. And I said, well, that I understand very well. It's sort of like vetting. Um, from search, but also uh, he needed a business plan. I said, actually, that's what I, I, I did for a living was write offering memos and business plans. Um, and as we were trying to raise capital, I, I really got this energy of you know, his incredible vision and, and foresight and really wanted to be a part of that kind of environment again, of being part of something that was new. Although you and decided to I, have a sabbatical. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, um, well, it felt like I was back in grad school because I was doing things uh, like at midnight while the kids were asleep. Wow. Um, and it really was a great experience. And I really wanted to sort of continue to feel that again. Wonderful. So you, you turned you turn into consulting this company, right? This is what you did yes, at the end I was of the a, day. I started off as an advisor. And then, um, you know, at first it was very difficult even, uh, you would think now that, geez, this is such a slam dunk, easy organization to understand uh, and to invest in. Um, a lot of the sort of foreign investors that we were talking to who were in Hong Kong or back in the U.S. really didn't understand quite what, say, like, the, you know, in Internet was. They were trying to explain what, what is the Internet and what, it, what are, you know, just technology components. So... Um, while I was writing the offering memo, and I thought, okay, you know, they really needed some more working capital, and I decided, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll invest. Wow. Okay. And that's sort of how I got into investing in startups. 
Wow. Okay, there's so many more questions I have, but there's one takeaway before we go further that I really want to insist on is how your curiosity and how focusing on, you know, being interested and also getting passionate about something has led you to this opportunity. And I think that's one thing that all of us can do, you know, open our eyes and ears to to things that might be part of our passion and be curious about it. And your curiosity led you to get noticed by this man who had the startup and end up you know discovering your other talents which was also banking and investment so that I think that's an important takeaway to always stay curious no matter where we are who we are what's our background stay curious ask questions and educate ourselves in every country is an opportunity to get more skills and more knowledge and this is what you did <laughs> i'd like to think so yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know curiosity and listening well Yeah. Uh, and applying what you know, you know, to help somebody else. Yeah, this is really great. So let's go now deeper in the business side of it. So you mentioned mm -hmm. to me briefly that it's your, you, you launched an IPO. Was it the startup that you, uh, let's explain what an IPO really briefly is. Can you hey, explain in one word? Sure. Uh, it's an initial public offering. So what was a private company then goes public and allows other people, essentially, whether individuals or institutions, to own some shares in the company to become, you know, as an equity investor. It's, um, so it becomes, it, it goes from being a private company to a public company owned by a lot of different groups and organizations typically. Okay, so how did that lead you to your foundation? Because you told me that then you started with your husband a foundation. Yeah, um, well, it again still goes back to Hong Kong days when uh, aside from going to, in addition to going to China, I was um, spending a lot of time traveling to other parts uh, of Asia, uh, again, very easily from Hong Kong. And one of the first places I was very interested in was uh, Vietnam. Um, and it was originally through art because I had seen some exhibitions on Vietnamese art and I thought it was quite fantastic. And um, on one of my early visits to Hanoi, I was on a, a bus to the hotel from the airport with an American woman who, you know, there's nothing to do. It was a very long trip at that time because the roads were still quite um, rutted and uh, unsort of paved. So I said, so what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, we might as well talk. It's dark and nothing else to do for the next 45 minutes. And she said, oh, I have a foundation. And, and in, my, in her duffel bag, she, was, she had a duffel bag filled with um, music scores for the musicians at the conservatory. And then so she started to tell me her story about going to Asia through her family foundation and doing some incredible work in, in, at that time in education, providing you know, sort of very tangible products like musical scores as well as providing you know, um, funding for local institutions to increase their capacity in doing something else um, that she felt matter to her mission. And so I thought, geez, you know, this is something I'd love to be able to do someday. And uh, we stayed in contact. Uh, and so I would sometimes travel with her to see what she was doing or when we, I'd be in, back in New York uh, during home leave, uh, meet up with her to find out, you know, what, what was going on. And so it was in my mind at some point to be able to have the benefit of having my own organization to fund others and support others. And so what, what happened was when we moved back to the States, um, this company I had invested in had ultimately gone public. And so what I had invested in had become 
public shares means I can sell my shares and, and you know, get the cash uh, and, or put my uh, shares into a foundation. So we created a foundation, and that became sort of the seed capital for this foundation. Mm-hmm. And then I could do some work while I was here also in, the, in New York, my home, hometown essentially, as well as to go back to Asia and gave me a, a reason and a purpose to continue to maintain that connection to Asia through the foundation. Amazing. This is really amazing. And then you came back to New York. You continued working on your foundation with your husband. Um, and you, start, you decided suddenly, recently actually, to start your own startup. So take us to that, through that. How did that come up? Uh, well, we had, you know, I've been trying to figure out what else I wanted to do. Um, I had spent about 10 years focused on education through the foundation. So I was learning a lot about what was going on here through uh, in the education, especially higher ed process, um, as well as seeing my children growing up. And, and as they were entering the age when they're thinking about internships and jobs and so forth, how difficult it was for them and their peer group to uh, find jobs. And this is sort of post uh, the Great Recession. And that for um, young people, the information was not readily available. Uh, even at the best schools, um, the, the level of what they could find uh, online, for example, was really limited, whether it was an on-campus website or a public website. Um, and I couldn't understand why that was the case, but as I started to click through you know, sites and so forth, it looked really complicated and took a long time. Uh, and simultaneously, one of my friends who was a parent of, um, uh, we were sort of parents at the same school. Our daughters went to the same school, and we became really good friends because they, she too had this very international background. She's, she, was, she was from India, lived in Brussels, lived in London, you know, lived in uh, Hong Kong. Uh, essentially, we were sort of tandem, you know, <laughs> expat, ex, expats and so forth, yeah. um, and um, with very like-minded interests. And we, we both decided, you know, maybe we can do something about helping youth employment. And, and that's how we started Zoom Dojo. That's amazing. And this is the story of many entrepreneurs, you know, when you find a problem that you can't find a solution to, and most entrepreneurs, what made them entrepreneurs is to find a solution to fix that problem. And this is what you yeah. did here. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, it's a, it is looking to see where there's a need and a want. And a lot of that was through conversations still. Again, talking to a lot of people, students, parents, administrators, faculty, uh, employers, and, and seeing that in general there was, especially from the students, a real want as well as a need mm-hmm. to find, you know, information quickly and easily. And so when we started to create what we thought was a very simple, you know, site, a, a list of information, but seeing the faces of the students when they saw sort of our prototype and when they could click a button and it led them to a, a job that they could apply to or look at, which applied to them, it was relevant to them, you know, their faces lit up. And said, wow, this is great. I said, oh, okay, then we're sort of on the right track. That's amazing. So can you take us briefly through the process? Because it, it takes... It takes a lot of work to start a startup. So is, can oh, yeah. you summarize, although it could take for hours, but is there any key information you want to share about how you built this startup? Well, some of it is, uh, you know, just 
it's good not to know too much, I think, at first, because <laughs> ignorance was quite blissful. Because <laughs> then, you know, you think, oh, this is so easy to do. Yeah, everybody's got startups. And then, and then you, as you sort of get into the process and you say, oh, wow, actually, this is a lot harder than I thought. Um, but there are some administrative elements. And actually, um, we do some workshops now and provide information to those that want to start startups because we've recognized that, uh, you know, there's some fundamental processes, uh, legal ones and so forth, that can be a little bit difficult. Um, so far, part of it is to decide what kind of an entity you want. So, you know, legally, is it for, for profit, for not-for-profit, and, and then making sure you have a good lawyer who can help you set it up. So that's sort of step one. And then the you know, question is, okay, so how do you want to work on this? You know, is it through technology? And luckily, a lot of the technology, website development and things have gotten a lot easier. So there's a lot of you know, access to um, in, tools that now are online and easy to follow. Um, and then it's just kind of recognizing it may take longer than one thinks. And you may have to, depending on whether it's very tech-based or not, there's a levels of investment, you know, financial as well as time investment. So you have to be just, I think it's essential to be fully committed to doing this because it's really not something that you can do on a part-time basis at first. Ultimately, maybe, but the beginning is to say, okay, I'm really going to spend time because I think uh, what you'll hear from those that have been super successful and we're talking about the real, you know, the, the really big names in sort of startups is that it, what really worked and what the success had to do with putting in the time. It's very important and to be committed to that. I mean, it's, it's a huge commitment. But I want to go back to the technology side because one of the big things about Tandem Nomads is that I want to make sure that we all embrace technology in the digital world. So tell me what are the things you had to learn and what are the things that helped you on a digital aspect to build your startup? Uh, the first thing was to um, find developers, you know, and that took a long time. Luckily, because of our our involvement in other organizations, I was able to ask, and we were both able to ask other friends and, and sort of those in organizations that we were involved in who were on the tech side, so explain some of the technology to us about building websites and so mm -hmm. forth. Um, also accessed faculty members um, as well as on the administration side, those that are on the tech side, because I, I really, we, we knew nothing. We were really totally, you know, ignorant about technology. And, and then started to dabble, you know, first in a, trying to set up a blog. So there were very little baby steps um, on how to do web development and reading and researching ourselves, just reading a lot of, you know, information. Mm -hmm. uh, and then sort of creating one little piece of something that would be public, uh, um, like a blog. And then, you know, what else can we add to that? Um, and then through the presentations that I had attended at um, some of the organizations I'm involved in, I went to participate in programs that were specifically about web development for those organizations and started to talk to the consultants who were pitching, you know, at developing a site okay. to see if they would develop our site. Fantastic. So, the, so I know, it really yeah. is sort of this, you know, it's sort of like going from step one, uh, very basic, to learning the, the language, you know, just understanding what are the different tools that are available. Ultimately, once we were sort of in the working with developers, it was learning their language. How do you communicate with 
software developers in a way that they understand. That's an important task because it's one thing to find the developer. It's already a big challenge. I know from a lot of startups I talk to, it's one of the first, most difficult ones to find the right developer and then communicate what we want. And that's a very Absolutely. important piece. Yeah. yeah. But how long have you been? How long did it take you from the idea to where you are today? The idea was about three years ago, I guess. Our this is will be we uh, formed legally Zoom Dojo in 2013. Wow. Okay. August, so it's almost three years old. So one thing to learn from this is patience, and you are getting results today, but I'm sure that you had moments in your journey in these three years when you might have doubted and went through a lot of ups and downs. So what is the things that kept you going? Uh, the grit, <laughs> optimism, that, you know, what we were doing made sense. Um, but moreover, because, you know, ultimately we saw the, uh, the value that it brought to the students. I mean, we have a group of students, you know, it's very nice because a lot of this is obviously, you know, we have no idea who, who in Germany is uh, accessing our site, and they do. I mean, half of our views are from uh, abroad. I mean, it really serves the purpose that we've had. Uh, but we also work, you know, on um, offline on programs that are highly curated, customized programs for students. Um, and when they come back to us and say, we learned so much from you, that sort of keeps us going. Or, or seeing, you know, sort of, of our alumni, sort of the first group who are now, we actually advised a startup of one of our students who's doing a great job in Beijing. And he was one of our first, he was the one that sort of tested our prototype. Wow. So this that's is... that kind of, you know, seeing these sort of the graduates, if you will, yeah. who are successfully working, who, some who've invited us to go to their graduation to meet their parents. I mean, that sort of, you know, is the anecdotal something that's very yeah. tangible. Yeah. And you have a purpose. You, very you, much so. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you know, um, youth unemployment is still a massive issue. Mm. Um, even in the U.S., uh, you know, employment figures look good. But if you look at the underlying, you know, unemployment rates for for the subset, you know, yeah. the generation that we deal with, it's, it's not good. Yeah, it, it needs you know further improvement. So um, I, I I wrote somewhere, if um, if our business closes because everybody has a job, fantastic. Exactly, you, because it means that you solved the problem that you started the company for. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. So I think that do, uh, Zoom Dojo can be very useful to a lot of us in Tandem Nomads who have kids so, um, and who are starting to you know, finish their studies. So what's the best place for them to start with Zoom Dojo? Uh, go to the website, uh, which is zoomdojo.com yeah. and, and click through it. There's internships and jobs. Um, and actually, we also created uh, a resume creator Wow. which is an achievement portfolio. Um, and it's, you can start using it uh, in high school because we also recognize for certain groups that uh, getting into college is the first step and maybe they don't have a network and lucky enough to have you know, parents who can know what to do next and push them. Mm -hmm. And so the information that they can input into this very simple portfolio that's uh, their, you know, their basic uh, um, information about schools and so forth is 
parallels and corresponds to the common application for uh, American universities, for example, in their application process. Wonderful. And all uh, of that well, is for free? It's free. And then it converts into a resume, which can be used, and it, it's fully formatted. And so that's very useful for teachers and advisors who have to write refer you know, recommendation letters. But then you can keep it all on one site. And as, you're, as you move from high school to college and your different experiences, work and academic experiences uh, move on, you can include that information to update your portfolio, your profile, and, and then create another resume or many resumes and store it all on one site. And then when you're looking for internships and jobs, it's all there too. This is amazing. So the idea is to, you know, we, we all have kids that, you know, uh, as organized as some of our children are, they're not that organized. So to keep it all in one place, and it's also, you know, mobile device friendly. So if it's on a tablet, you can still do it or on a, on a phone. Uh, and, you know, that was the whole idea is that you can take this with you um, mm -hmm. from high school through your first job. What would be your advice to other expat partners who want to become entrepreneurs and and build a portable business like yours? I would say that the, the idea is, first of all, you know, what, what, what would you, what matters to you? You know, what is of interest? And what are you curious about? And that would be where I would start, that what fires you up? And, and would make you, that will keep you focused on something, you know, through the ups and downs. That always, when you wake up, you go, oh, I can't wait to do this. Yeah, yesterday was not such a good day. But you know what, today, I, I now figured out something else to make it better. And, and, it, and that, I think, really makes a difference. So that would be the first thing is, you know, find something that matters to you, that fires your interest and curiosity. And that you also hope is something that another person wants. Yeah. Uh, and then to stay really flexible about it uh, because what you may think another person needs may not be what they really want so, but don't be discouraged so just keep trying so important. Thank you so much because those are really key, key advice that you shared. Like we have to find our passion because that's what's going to let us, you know, hang in there when it gets difficult. It's always difficult. Entrepreneurship, it's not the, you know, glamorous image that a lot of people want to give. So it is a hard path to go through. And if we're not passionate about what we do, we can't wake up every morning and just deal with yeah every day and I like something else that you said that you know we also have to find something a problem to solve that people need you know and I always mm -hmm. like this I had once uh, this amazing tip that I read somewhere I can't say it's like first of all what's your talent second who needs it and third who will pay for it <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that's the want. Who wants it? Exactly. So that's a great tip. Thank you for that. So now before we say goodbye, I'd like to go through the spinning round with you. A few yeah. seconds for each question. So tell us what's your plans for the next two years. Uh, well, of course, you know, it's working a lot on Zoom Dojo. It's never ending. And so the vital focus for the next two years, I guess, would be to uh, be able to display a million jobs. Uh, get really involved in the policy debate on, on employment, and, but not just the debate itself, but to find the solutions uh, on a, this very broad scale. Um, and then to have, hopefully, a portfolio of startups who are also engaged in supporting sort of our, you know, 
our mission and goals. So that would be sort of you know the the Zoom Dojo focus for the next two years, and then um, separately, uh, it's just you know maintaining my contacts with uh, my friends, continuing to also support through the not for profit side and the foundations to mm -hmm. you know the things that matter to me, which is education, mm -hmm. culture, and conservation of heritage and so forth. So some of it is just maintaining what I'm doing and hopefully you know being able to do it on a bigger scale because we've been so successful. I love what you're doing. It's just amazing how you embrace you know your values into your business and I know we call it social entrepreneurship. So you I'm so happy and honored to have you here. I'm so fascinated with you know how you're driven by this. So it's really cool. Is there any special online resource that uh, that has helped you or application and that you find essential to run your business? Um, sure. I mean, this is all a um, collaborative process. So the, the tools that lead to collaboration are really key, which are the communication tools. So, uh, you know, not to plug Google too much, but, you know, Google Drive. It's critical in what we do. We share a lot of documents, and it's a great tool for sharing. Okay. Uh, Google Docs, Google Sheets, uh, which we use a lot of Google Sheets, you know, um, in, in especially working with developers. Um, the other, other tools that we use are Slack, which is, yeah. uh, you know, a key tool to work with de developers. Slack.com. Uh, and communicate. Yep. Again, it's a you know, collaborative communication, you know, tool. Um, and then... Um, We also, because we're constantly changing our website, uh, is to you know have uh, the tools that you need to create local test sites like MAMP, um, which gets a little too uh, geeky maybe, <laughs> but it's uh, you know it's it's a necessary uh, in something for us that we now that we know how to use our local test sites ourselves, we can test a lot of things ourselves. What's know, the name again? The MAMP. MAMP. If you, that's if you, yeah. If that's if you have. Uh, um, an Apple device, but it's uh, also uh, if it's not MAMP, it's there's another name for it for uh, so M PCs. M A P M A M P S. Okay, Maps. Okay, wonderful. That's amazing. So Google Drives, Slack, and Maps. And there might yeah. be we might look online. There might be a version for PC. Yes, there is because right. it started off as a PC product, and then when they were a lot of people were using Apple, you know. Um, like Minimax and so yeah. forth, they designed desktops. They also included it. And it's, if you're a real developer, you don't need that tool. It's essentially a software that sort of engages with your uh, software and underlying you know, uh, infrastructure. Um, and the other stuff that we use is, you know, we just use, I use Google all the time to do search because I want to yeah. know what's going on. And, uh, and then that leads me usually to, uh, um, currently what we use is a Drupal, which is a content management system. Um, and so I'm on D Drupal forums. But also, if you want to just test, I did just give, give some advice recently to a friend of mine who wanted to set up a website, um, is Squarespace. Yeah. It's a great, simple web development tool. So if you just want to sort of test out something, you know, you can do it private yeah. uh, testing and see what a website might look, your website might look like without first going to somebody. Or you can sort of say, well, this is what I want it to look like. Exactly. Really great tip. So, Nomad Nation, I hope that you did um, put take notes, and I'll actually share all these resources on the webpage of this episode, so don't hesitate to go to this episode's page. And last but not least, is there any book you recommend that could help to our Nomad Nation? Well, first I wanted to say that join a book club. 
It's yeah. a great way to meet people. Um, I was in a Hong Kong book club, and it was great because it was extremely international. And the books that we read were books I would have never read otherwise. And so not only did I gain new friends, I learned about other cultures through these books that I was reading. And, and it was a, still one of the best experiences I've had. Uh, and in New York, lucky for me, there is an ex expat book club, uh, where, which was formed by some friends of mine when they moved back from Hong Kong. And so it's this opportunity that I get to mingle with those of us who've had shared experiences overseas. Specific books that I would recommend, one of um, the books that I really have enjoyed recently, there's two books, one is A Path Appears, and that was written by Nick Kristoff and Cheryl Wudan, who happen to be friends of mine. And, you know, they, they're this power couple. Nick writes uh, the op-ed column for the New York Times, and okay. they were the first couple to win uh, a Pulitzer Prize together. Uh, and Nick's won a couple of Pulitzers uh, subsequently. And A Path Appears, which is the second book after Half the Sky, is all about social entrepreneurship. And that's why I thought it would be a great mm -hmm. book um, for everyone to read. Because it, Nick and, and Cheryl talk about all the big and small ways that one can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really a great uh, and they tell these great vignettes and stories about people that really are inspiring. And also, you know, question, so how can you be, uh, you know, should you be an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur to be innovative, you know, within an organization as opposed to creating your own organization, which are really sort of important uh, aspects, uh, both very innovative and could be very disruptive and also be very helpful in promoting, you know, a cause. So... Uh, you know, and I, I love the way they both write. So okay, that's fine. a great book. Um, and the other book, which is sort of, you know, maybe for me more like business reading, is uh, a book called America Needs Talent. And it's written by Jamie Marisotis, who's a colleague of mine from um, Bates College Board member. And he's a CEO of a Illumina Foundation, which is a, one of the largest foundations in the U.S. on uh, higher ed uh, support. And Jamie wrote this book about um, what we need to do to help, through education, be you know create innovative ways to educate uh, the young generation to be prepared for 21st century job market. So and and it's written with such a level uh, again, sort of like Nick and Cheryl, with a really positive view that you know this is the way that um, we can really help the next generation. And I think it's applicable uh, not just to the U.S. because it deals with how do you educate the next group of, you know, the generation that, you know, really needs to figure out, okay, there's these gaps and mismatches. How do we create better matching of skill sets so that the, uh, the next generation can succeed? Right. And, um, and Jamie is also a first gen like I am. And so, you know, he came from that sort of hard scrabble way of finding a way himself and it's so optimistic about, yes, we can still do it. Um, and it's really with his voice. So uh, wow. I loved reading this book as well. And I think so it's kind of an inspiration and, uh, and possible ideas that one can implement. Wow, Carol, thank you so much for all these resources. They're amazing. And I can't wait to read those books. So Nomad Nation, we will find it again on the Facebook, on the on the web page of this episode and Carol I could talk to you for hours and we'll hope hopefully continue this conversation but Absolutely. for now I really thank you for taking the time and the amazing insights you shared with us 
Oh, you're welcome. It has been fun. And as a friend of mine always says, TBC, to be continued. Exactly. <laughs> Before we say goodbye, tell us what's the best way to find you. Um, at carol at zoomdojo.com would be the easiest way right. to contact me. Good. And I'm always, you know, happy. I'm great on email. Mm. For some, I think maybe too, too, too constant and continuous. But, you're so good um, at it. I can confirm that. <laughs> You know, it's the best way to, I mean, I love, inter, you know, emails was the way to connect to the world uh, when I was abroad, so I'm sort of stuck on that. I'm also available on WeChat. Oh, very good, very good. And Nomad Nation, don't forget to check zoomdojo.com, a great, great website if you have kids who are looking for a job or an internship, and you're covered in many, many countries. Yes, we are. 60 countries. 60 so far, countries. we hope to do many more. Wow. I, I wish you plenty of success and I can't wait to continue the journey with you. Thank you. Thank you. Nomad Nation, I hope that you found the great insights of our guest today really useful to you. I would love to actually hear about what you think about it. So leave your comment in the webpage of this episode and I hope to meet you at the next one. So stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.